What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to the 70th chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Judicial Watch episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokitansky, Brendan Carrett, Julian Field, and Travis View. The year is 1994. Nixon is attempting to return to his bed, crawling among the empty Doritos bags and CD jewel cases. The former president is slurring his words heavily. I would say the major mistake I made as president. His words trail off for a moment. Richard's face is inches away from the side of the mattress. He firmly believes he is answering questions for NBC's Chris Wallace. This will surprise you, he mumbles, was not doing early in 1969 what I did on May 3rd of 1972 and on December 15th of 1972, and that was to bomb and mine North Richard's elbow gets briefly caught on a Reese's peanut butter cup wrapper. Slowly, his head lolls and he finds his forehead pressed to a clump of dog hair. He finishes his statement into the carpet. I wanted to do it. I talked to Kissinger about it, but we were stuck with the bombing halt that we had inherited from the Johnson administration with Paris Peace Talks. The blood clot finally completes its journey from Richard's heart to his brain. He lets out a tremendous final fart, sending echoes through the empty house. But it isn't empty for long. Emerging from the clearing smoke, towering over Richard Milhouse Nixon's inert body, is a 43-year-old Larry Clayman. An enormous smile is plastered on his face. He inhales deeply, drinking of the nectar of once great presidents. Larry turns to the camera and glances at his watch. 1994. Tell Bill Clinton that I'm ready. He tells the empty room. To found Judicial Watch. This week we have Brendan Carrot, a.k.a. Bad Takes, on the show. He's a researcher for Media Matters and a big fan of Judicial Watch, especially their president since 1998, Tom Fitton. Welcome to the show, Brendan. Hey, what's up? Thanks for coming on to talk about the fittest of boys. But before we get into this group of respectable conservative activists. QAnon News. Okay, uh, this week I have a couple of stories. Not so fast, Travis. As important (laughs) as the QAnon mob boss killer and congressional candidates that happen to believe in QAnon are, I think it's time the listeners finally got some truly exciting news. That's right, folks. This week, the long-awaited OIG report has been released, and depending on what side of the political spectrum you're on, it is both a complete bust and totally damning for the FBI. The IG found that because the FBI was already aware of Russian efforts to attempt to meddle in the 2016 election, our boy Papadopoulos' admission to Alexander Downer that he had heard the, quote, Russians had dirt on Hillary Clinton— The FBI was well in its right to open a counterintelligence operation. Usually I think that your brain protects you from shitty information, but there's something about Spygate that like a an absolute fly on shit you just get lost now in hear, me out, hear me out hear me out julian hear me out i'm what about is to wrong s- with you that you care i'm about to say something very fair okay yeah even travis will be proud of me okay so this finding that the fbi was justified in opening the crossfire hurricane investigation flies in stark contrast uh, to what the trump admin loyal supporters as well as QAnon, have stated Many, many, many times in the past. So the IG found that this is not the case, uh, that the, you know, investigation began under biased, politically motivated means. However, he does go on to say that from that point on, the FBI basically had major fuck ups just about every step of the way. Uh, No shit. Yeah, of course. They're all wearing melon hats. They're fucking... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> falling out of there's like houses falling apart and coming back together they're Buster Keaton ass the, fuckers. The, so the main revelation from the report as some Spygate believers predicted uh, the Steele dossier uh, became a significant part of the FISA applications and subsequent renewals after the FBI's first FISA application was rejected 
Uh, mm. Also revealed in the report is the fact that an FBI lawyer uh, who went on to work on Mueller's team uh, got caught altering an email from the CIA to claim that Carter Page had not worked for them when, in fact, he had. Uh, to me, uh, the testimony the next day following the report felt exactly like Mueller's, albeit Horowitz did come off a lot sharper. The testimony felt purposefully more damning than the conclusion of the report. Uh, and of course, uh, A.G. Bill Barr and U.S. Attorney John Durham, hero at large, uh, have already released statements that they uh, disagree with the IG's conclusion and the FBI's motivation for opening Crossfire Hurricane, giving QAnon supporters one last fucking prayer <laughs> that they'll be able to say, I told you so, to their families next Christmas. Uh, at the end of the day, look, if I'm being honest, be honest. If you're someone like Seth Abramson who actually actually said that the IG report was, quote, the biggest bust of all time. You're a fucking partisan hack. The biggest bust of all time would be that the IG found that all FISA proceedings were handled appropriately. Not that they altered documents and withheld information that directly contradicted intel included in the applications. Well, the FBI did not plant informants inside the Trump campaign. You know what? No, they didn't. They just had the informants talk to people inside the campaign and recorded them without them knowing. And, like, used presidential intel briefings to gain counterintel on Trump and Flynn, which is fucking wild, by the way, that they went to him being like, hey, we're going to, hey, we've got, like, counterintel to, like, brief you on about this whole shit. And we're secretly recording what, how they were all reacting, which, uh, honestly, is kind of smart. Between uh, Travis knowing about the Ukraine scandal and you doing this... I this podcast is over. You guys have acquired the fruit of of knowledge, and it's it's over. You're ruined. Yeah. Well, look. Uh, in conclusion, I totally understand why people believe in QAnon. In fact, I now believe in it again. Uh, back to you, Travis. Again. again. <laughs> oh man, worth interrupting Travis with that. Good. Uh, yeah, I had. I mean, it's, it's always it's worth important, interrupting. Spygate update because uh, I think it is one of these situations where uh, sort of the. Um, uh, again, the QAnon people—they promise too much. Yeah, it's like it's like um, it's like if they just w stuck to like simple things, like um, uh, you know, the FBI fucks up and the intelligence agencies need to be reined in. I mean, that's uh, you that's made a I you made a great point when we were to, when we were going back and forth on the on the signals. You were like, if Trump had played up the the Spygate shit more as a like Fourth Amendment issue and like privacy and like you know the freedom of these courts, like he probably would have had a lot sturdier ground. But to you know claim that the you know the to keep repeating the claim that the oig was going to you know uncover this massive scandal and stuff yeah. it was just you're giving these institutions too much credit to do anything yeah 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 you kept it more modest you know he always talked trump always talks about this should never happen to a president again as if the only people who can possibly be wrong by an out of control <laughs> intel agency are presidents when yeah. they are where they are the least likely people to be harmed by these things it was you, like, you've forgotten the lessons of jfk already he was like, <laughs> don't, don't, he was like this doesn't apply to people like julian who yeah. casually mentioned on xbox live that they're thinking about joining isis um <laughs> instead, <laughs> <I did not. laughs> you, you did the other night what last night um <laughs> last night when i was out drinking i was i was actually yeah. on xbox live talking to you and you said that you wanted to join isis um, I, why are you on Xbox the, Live while you're out that drinking? Was a, but my my, my write-up was a fair estimate, yes, right? Yes, I, I, was, I, I was not too, right. too jakey on it. You're right, you're right. It's like, it, in, the, in the sense, like, sort of, like, everyone, yeah. sort of, everyone who's hyper-partisan about it is wrong. It's like, so, yeah, the investigation, uh, they found no, no bias. They found mm -hmm. really funny, actually, kind of pro-Trump text messages between FBI yeah. agents. And then they also found that, uh, uh, was it, the, the, the investigation was premised properly, but there totally. were, but there were uh, many errors and uh, sort of over-reliance on the Steele dossier and procedures. And so, um, the, basically, the, the, you know, uh, improper information was included in these FISA applications. Yeah. Which is a problem because because yeah. um, uh, th that's just sort of uh, no one wants to uh, give the FBI this much leeway to surveilling people, you know. Julian's eyes are just rolling back into his head. He just <laughs> hate you both. Yeah, right. You know what it is? At the end of the day, it's fucking yeah. lazy cops. It's lazy cops fucking being lazy. Yeah. That's and then it. now we have to read the phone me the phone book like three times every year. Good, I will. Right, fine. Where it's like, ah, oh, yes, A, B, C, <laughs> and by the end you're just exhausted. <laughs> They've done their work, by the way. You even reading this stuff, they win. 
Mm-hmm. They win. The intelligence wins. You're right. <laughs> They're too smart for us. All right. New Q drops. <laughs> so, yeah, there were a few new Q drops this week. Uh, a lot of them actually focused on uh, a- attorney John Durham, who is now QAnon's last best hope to take down the deep state. Um, for example, take this recent uh, Q drop on December 14th. Month slash day Durham initiated. Month slash day Q public campaign initiated. How many coincidences before mathematically impossible? It was over before it began. Q. So that refers to the fact that the, the first Q drop was on October 28, 2017, and att- attorney John Durham was appointed to be interim U.S. attorney for the District of Connecticut by Jeff Sessions also on October 28, 2017. Oh, my God. That's Ooh. it. I'm pilled. Undeniable. <laughs> well, so is that a coincidence? Well, yeah, it was a coincidence. And the, the reason that uh, Durham was appointed by Sessions was that the previous attorney for uh, Connecticut, that's uh, Deidre M. Daly, uh, submitted her resignation back in March. But her resignation was declined to allow her to stay at that position until October so she could uh, complete 20 years of service with the Justice Department. So for this to be uh, deliberate in QAnon world, you'd have to believe that the plan to save the world was delayed so that a career Justice Department employee could get the full benefits after her retirement. Yeah. Which, which I uh, maybe that's cool. The Q is is a uh, very respect civil service workers, and they want they want to have them get allow them to get their full pensions. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially yeah. if she was on Q team, you know, yeah. <laughs> she was one of the she, less she was than secret, ten. She was secretly <laughs> on Q team. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Q is our only chance to rebuild the 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 uh, social safety the republic. Net. That's it. <laughs> right. If Q doesn't Damn. rebuild it, we're fucked. So well, I got I got some bad news, Julian. <laughs> also, should be mentioned that uh, if Durham was part of Q's plan all along, Q never seemed to know this. The first time that Attorney Durham uh, was mentioned in Q drops was in July of 2019. This was months after Durham was appointed to investigate the origins of the Russia investigation in May of 2019. So here we have another instance in which Q actually trailed far behind what was being reported in the mainstream press, which is you know confusing for me because you know QAnon people always assure me that they know things far way way before you know the the MSM reports on them. Right. Yeah. Well, that's interdimensionally. They I actually see. do know yeah, because right. they've they've been able to step yeah. back into the mm-hmm. fifth dimension where yeah. all time exists yeah, at right. once. They've the read and technologies, secret hidden technologies. Mm-hmm. So what they do is that they go back and decode old posts. They said, if I did decode this the right way before, I didn't at the time. But if I did, <laughs> I would have known because yeah. that's what it says now that I I've decoded it. It's they're yeah. fucked. <laughs> Okay, today we're going to talk about Judicial Watch, which is a you know a conservative activist organization. And uh, Judicial Watch was founded in 1994 by Larry Clayman, who is a conservative lawyer and all-around hyper-litigious nut job. Uh, Clayman has sued OPEC, uh, former Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez, and the government of Iran. Uh, when he sued Iran, he sought damages of ten trillion dollars i know that that case wasn't wasn't very successful as you can imagine well they did nuke his home well they nuked his home they killed his dog that's worth 10 trillion you know that was a valuable dog 10 trillion that's like an amount of money i would ask for in a dream yeah (laughs) you know what i mean yeah just claiming his wick (laughs) going to iran in fact, in 1998, Clayman literally sued his own mother. Yes, what yes, a king. that is the ultimate move. <laughs> yeah, right. That's king. Uh, that lawsuit against uh, Shirley Feinberg sought fifty thousand dollars in nursing expenses that he spent for his grandmother. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a I know. How embarrassing! Even if you want that money, can you? Oh, just the tiny little shriveled soul. After uh, Newsweek reporter uh, Daniel Claidsman reported about that lawsuit, the Judicial Watch founder uh, sent this press release to news outlets all over the country. Claidsman used this information, obviously dug up by private investigators of the Clintons, to suggest that the Judicial Watch chairman will sue anyone, and so hurt Claidsman by trampling on the memory of his grand. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Wait, and, and and so hurt Claidsman by trampling on the memory of his grandmother. 
This is untrue, unfair, and outrageous. What is true is that Clayman will do what is right, no matter who is involved, whether it means caring for his sick and dying grandmother who raised him, guaranteeing payment to her nurses, or taking action to make sure they are paid. Clayman will not shrink from his standards of ethics and morality, <laughs> unlike Clayman, who wants to curry favor with Clinton administration friends such as George Stephanopoulos. Clayman looks to no one other than God for guidance and direction. I mean, how is that something you send out? That <laughs> yeah, fucking rules. I will be handling the case of suing my mother because I paid for my grandmother with utmost dignity. <laughs> this does not, in fact, look bad. Also, I love God. Now, despite what uh, Clayman claimed, uh, the story about him suing his own mother wasn't dug up by private investigators of the Clintons. It was actually given uh, to the Newsweek reporter by Clayman's own brother. Betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> that rules. There are lots of uh, pathologically litigious lawyers, but Clayman really made a name for himself by marrying his love of lawsuits with his love of paranoid conspiracy theories. And uh, Clayman never heard a conspiracy theory he didn't like. Uh, for example, he claimed that the 1995 bombing of the uh, o- Oklahoma City government building by domestic terrorists was actually masterminded in part by Saddam Hussein. In part? What, did he start the drawing and then he folded it over and you have to complete it? <laughs> well, it was like him and uh, a cabal of uh, American neo-Nazis. It was, uh, uh, see, so it was, uh, yeah. Saddam and the neo-Nazis. Saddam working together, Classic clearly. Classic children's book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has also uh, pushed the conspiracy theory that Obama was born in Kenya and a secret Muslim, of course. Uh, even once calling Obama the Muslim-in-chief in a column. Uh, during the Obama years, Clayman even tried to bring birtherism to the courtroom. In uh, 2012, Clayman filed a lawsuit in Florida arguing that Barack Obama was ineligible to be president because neither Mr. Obama nor the Democratic Party of Florida nor any other group has confirmed that Mr. Obama is a, quote, natural born citizen since his father was a British subject born in Kenya and not a citizen of the United States. But uh, Clayman really made a name for himself suing and even deposing White House officials during the Clinton administration. Larry Clayman's activities through Judicial Watch against the Clintons were so notorious that a fictionalized version of him was portrayed in a 2000 episode of The West Wing through the character Larry Claypool. <laughs> great, re- just great writing. Yeah. The West Wing. <laughs> West Wing. Hey, ha- give it to him, you know. So in the West Dill, w- Dill Binton was. <laughs> I mean, come Dill, on. Dill Binton. <laughs> The genius of Sorkin. Yeah. Um, in the West Wing version, uh, Claypool ran a conservative activist organization called Freedom Watch instead of Judicial Watch. So, uh, so here's a scene from uh, the West Wing in which the character Larry Claypool deposes the show's uh, White House Deputy Chief of Staff, who is portrayed by Bradley Whitford. And you didn't make a single note. No. You're asking me to believe. This is the seventh lawsuit you brought against the White House and the fourth time you've deposed me and demanded to see documents that don't exist. In your investigation, in which you wrote nothing down, and it's nice to see that the White House has taken the matter so seriously, in your investigation, did you find any evidence of staff drug use? No. I'd like to remind you that you're under oath. And I'd like to remind you that that's the seventh time that you've reminded him since he sat down. Great show. So here's Shit, it's a great show, smart show, good show. I would, you know, what I would do if I were, if it were up to me, I would base an entire generation of politicians on this show. <laughs> Just base your thinking on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real life Clayman actually loved the name of the fictional organization Freedom Watch so much that when he left Judicial Watch, he named his new organization Freedom Watch. So we have, uh, you know, just the fictional world and real life just blending into each other t- until you just can't tell the difference between the two. Let Sorkin write both sides. <laughs> that, that sounds perfect. Let's let, Sorkin, let Sorkin write let real Sorkin life. Let Sorkin write the Civil War. <laughs> basically, let's go. Has. Second Civil War, yeah. Aaron Sorkin, and a room of underpaid <laughs> interns. Let's go. So. Larry Clayman uh, was actually raised in Philadelphia. Uh, there, his family owned a, a pork packing plant. From the age of eight, he spent summers and holidays working alongside blood-spattered hog dressers as they turned pigs <laughs> into pork chops. <laughs> you enjoyed writing that too much. <laughs> it's fantastic stuff. That, what is it with pig farmers and ruining? Yeah, it's, it's, it's always good when your freedom fighters <laughs> you have, have the have the origin yeah. story of working on like a meat farm. Like, yeah, yeah. 
It's just uh, it's just Babe, except the uh, the the farmer keeps uh, harassing women online for reasons that are unclear. Clayman later told CNN that this experience eventually helped him be a Clinton administration antagonist. You see people walking around with huge knives and livestock being cut up. I guess you have to be brought up in that kind of environment to be able to accept and enjoy the challenge of taking on a force as great as the Clinton administration. When you're birthed from an environment where people are slitting the throats of pigs, yep. dangling upside down, Correct. It, it perfectly prepares you to go after the Clintons. <laughs> Prior to founding Judicial Watch, Larry Clayman actually came from a left-of-center background. As a student at Emory Law School in 1976, he volunteered for Jimmy Carter's presidential campaign thinking that the honest peanut farmer and former Georgia governor would be right for the nation after Nixon sullied the office. This goes, this flies in the face of my previous research, so yeah. I, I <laughs> protest. Clayman also worked for the Democratic senator from Washington, Henry Scoop Jackson, who supported the 1957 and the 1964 Civil Rights Acts. Uh, but should we know that Jackson was a bit of a hawkish Democrat who supported the Vietnam War? Uh, the entire history of America. It's weird because this like center left guy uh, carpet bombed an entire country. <laughs> Anyways, let's move to the next decade and learn nothing. <laughs> Clayman began his professional legal career in Washington as a prosecutor with the U.S. Department of Justice's uh, Consumer Affairs Division. So fighting for consumer rights. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but he claims he soon discovered that the government was an enemy rather than a friend of the people. So he quit that and uh, joined a private law firm. Even before Clayman founded the Judicial Watch in 1994, he gained a reputation for being an incompetent and obnoxious attorney. For example, in the early 90s, Clayman represented a Taiwanese manufacturer of bathroom hardware called Frank Su Enterprise Corporation, who was facing uh, design, patent, and trademark uh, infringement litigation brought by an American company called Baldwin. In the pretrial proceedings, Clayman repeatedly failed to comply with the court's rules and orders. Uh, during the trial, Clayman requested that the judge in the case, Judge William D. Keller, recuse himself. That request was denied, as there was no legitimate basis for recusal. He's you just know, trying all know, this stuff. He's looking at like a check, yeah. like a check mark list. Just like, what yeah. can I do? I can recuse. I can. Yeah. He got all the verbs lined up. I'm noticing a pattern here. It seems that people who 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 dedicate their lives to fighting for this current president. Um, it seems like they fucked everything up <laughs> yeah. until 2016, where they decided where there was a new home for them. Yes, uh, just yes. Uh, like Matt Whitaker, like all these guys who ended who 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 end up you know being yeah. champions for this dude. Like anytime we research them, what do we find out that they completely failed at like whatever career they set out to do yeah. first, and then found a new home and new life and new purpose with the election. Of Donald J. Trump. Yeah. And they had opinion columnists writing shit about how, like, uh, failure is actually uh, winning <laughs> and shit like that. And so it works. It works now. We are in the inverted world, and all failures are actually now elevated, which well, which rules. Good. I, I think it's great. You know because you know what that means for me? I'm the most successful man of all time. Yeah. <laughs> meet, meet the podcaster you deserve. Yeah. Jake Rokotansky. <laughs> Over the course of that trademark infringement trial, uh, Judge Keller admonished Larry Clayman several times concerning his conduct of the proceedings. For example, Clayman failed to have his client, Frank Sue, appear in court on the appointed day, even after the court had granted an extension that allowed Sue to travel from Taiwan. Uh, Clayman also lodged a late request for a jury trial on the patent issues, even though Clayman waived a jury trial during a status conference before the trial. Uh, additionally, Larry Clayman had a habit of speaking even after Judge Keller requested silence, which I'm told is something judges do not appreciate. <laughs> yeah, they don't like that. In 1992, after Clayman lost that case, his obnoxious behavior got him barred from Judge William Keller's courtroom for life. <laughs> <laughs> that incident led to a decades-long vendetta against Keller. He appealed the ruling that prevented him from appearing in Keller's court and accused Keller of being anti-Semitic and anti-Asian, since Keller is himself Jewish and his client was Asian. Okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Your client's last name is literally Sue. I mean, that's an issue, you know? After uh, Clayman lost his appeal and was scolded by the appeals court judges, he tried unsuccessfully to appeal to the Supreme Court. 
Um, I found a column published by Clayman as recently as 2015 that accused Keller of being a racist and a drunk. So that he is just, awesome. He's just, just, he's just never like forgot decades, it. Just, yeah. just burning with r- r- hatred and just rage for this man. It. Sounded, he just sounds like my, my fucking, you know, uh, you know, rest her soul, like, you know, 85-year-old Safta who was like, he's a racist and a drunk <laughs> and a cheater and a gambler. <laughs> <laughs> About the one cousin who didn't call yeah, her no, back. Yeah, and it would always start, she would start with, uh, she would start with the cousin that she liked. She would be like, well, Susie. She was beautiful, very talented, and she, and she did a lot of great work for the show. But her brother Roger was a cheat and a drunk. And a, <laughs> just, just lost in yeah, thought. Just, yeah, just goes. Just, just everyone's just, just trying to like get, get the table served for lunch. <laughs> yeah. According to Clayman, in this two thousand nine autobiography, horse. <laughs> Why and how I came to fight the establishment. What? 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 It's called horse. Yes. His autobiography is called horse. All right. I mean, how do you. It's, it's interesting because usually most uh, autobiography titles are about like, you know, what they're proud of or their accomplishment, their, their personal philosophy, you know, my life or whatever, yeah. uh, you know, my long journey. And this is whores. This is what he hated because he despised all the whores in Washington. You know, um, the actual the <laughs> subtitle is great. Why and how I came to fight the establishment. You could literally put any fucking word in front of that. Yeah, and as it long be... as it's not the plural for whore. <laughs> yes. That's all we ask. Larry. Larry, Larry, we're going to need you to workshop this. Can you imagine being like on the phone with him, like his publisher being like, well, Larry, we like the second part of the title, but the first we're just not so sure about it. He's like adamant. He's like, no. Anyways, according to the other biography, that uh, that the battle he had with Judge Keller actually inspired him to found Judicial Watch in 1994. So just to reiterate, uh, the foundation that we're talking about today was founded because a shitty lawyer had a personal beef with a judge who got sick of that lawyer's bullshit. Uh, in the 90s, Judicial Watch supported requiring judges to undergo psychological testing and holding them personally liable for reckless rulings. It also advocated for removing Keller from the bench. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> that rule. <laughs> just, just consumed with hatred yeah. for this man. Well, he does understand how legislation is passed. You you attach your petty bullshit to mm-hmm. a bigger thing, oh. and it flies stealth. You know, mm. this is another pattern I'm beginning to notice: is that yeah. people who in you know in staunch support of again this current president have uh, yeah. usually at least one lifelong grudge of somebody yeah. that they're they, always motivated by spite they're, yeah they're motivated <laughs> by like anger against somebody who like wronged them and then of course you look into it and they weren't wronged at all the the <laughs> the other person was acting completely yeah. rationally yeah it's amazing but what really helped Clayman make a name for himself was the 18 lawsuits he filed against the administration of president bill clinton and other figures in the clinton administration now, it should be noted that uh, some of these lawsuits were based on arguably legitimate ethical concerns. Uh, for example, in 1995, Judicial Watch filed suit over allegations that the Clinton administration sold seats on United States federal planes going on international trade missions for the purposes of uh, raising campaign contributions. Uh, the allegation was that uh, then-Commerce Secretary Ron Brown was essentially using those trade missions to reward Democratic Party donors. Um, in an attempt to uncover corruption, Judicial Watch filed a Freedom of Information Act request uh, for information from the Department of Commerce. Now, I'm against donors buying their ways into the halls of power, so nothing wrong with uh, checking to see if that's what's happening. Um, the, uh, the Commerce Department papers Judicial Watch uncovered clearly indicate that many corporate uh, contributors expected that their money uh, would earn them special consideration when seats were being handed out on the secretary's plane. Uh, in a letter addressed to uh, Deputy Assistant Commerce Secretary Jude Kearney, a donor named C. Payne Lucas suggests that he should be added to a mission headed to South Africa in 1993 because he contributed to the election campaigns of both Clinton and South African President Nelson Mandela. Yeah, the two first POC presidents. Right. 
So it's kind of unclear whether there's actual serious uh, pay-to-play going on. Research from a watchdog group called uh, Center for Public Integrity indicates that uh, non-givers outnumbered givers on trips two to one. However, testimony from Nolanda Hill, who was a business associate of Commerce Secretary Ron Brown, claims that Bill and Hillary supported a White House plan to sell seats on international trade missions to raise campaign contributions. So um, you're going to like this, Jake. Uh, um, Investigations into the matter were complicated by the fact that while Secretary Brown was on a trade mission to Croatia in 1996, he died in a plane crash that killed 34 other people. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And and to make things worse, Brown happened to die the very week he's supposed to be deposed by Judicial Watch. Mm -hmm. Clinton. So hold on. I know what you're thinking. Clinton. That. Those no. poor other thirty-three people that didn't that weren't about well, to expose the Clinton the Clintons. So those poor people. Now they hold did on. A subsequent Air Force investigation into the crash found that found it was that caused by quote failure of command, aircrew error, and an improperly designed instrument approach procedure end quote, and not Hillary Clinton murdering dozens of people via an airplane crash in order to prevent Brown from testifying. Sure, sure. We all know that it, it in that era. We all know that Hillary Chelsea Clinton. Chelsea was small enough that they could no, they could she, put her in a tax suit, no, a little she, baby tax suit, and send her into the fucking. You're you're wrong. You're wrong. I know the real story. Hillary okay. Clinton donned a disguise. She snuck on the plane, yeah. snuck into the cockpit, messed with the instruments, messed causing the plane, them. causing the plane, like threw a coffee on them. Yeah, jumped, and they dumped a sprite. They you know, sp- so they fizzled <laughs> yeah. and sparked, and yep. the, the, the red now. lights <laughs> going on. Yeah, and then you know the plane started to stab the two pilots. Oh, stab! She kills them both. <laughs> well, slit their throats. Okay. My God, wow. she slit their throats, <laughs> drank their blood, and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then, hold on, hold on, and then, and then she put on a parachute, jumped out, okay. parachuted away to safety, plane crashes. Yeah. Another plane, a boat comes by, picks her up, picks her up, takes her back to the Ch- Chappaqua. Where she has a where she has a, a great alibi, a warm almost tea. too easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Clintons were never found to have done anything wrong in the case of the trade mission seats, but after Clinton was reelected, the Commerce Secretary, the new Commerce Secretary, instituted new departmental policies intended to prevent politics from being part of the selection process for trade missions. So that's all good. I'm realizing uh, now that House of Cards just straight up leaned into the Clinton body count thing. Yeah. Like oh yeah. They were yeah. just fully like they integrated the Clinton body count as as a as a fact. Yeah, every as a every plot, show as a plot he device. just pushes he just pushes that that mm-hmm. uh, reporter onto the the train yeah, tracks yeah. Yeah. and every show is secret maga. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Every show. We'll play this game with your family this Thanksgiving. Make sure it's a drinking one. Uh, I should also mention that uh, during the Obama years, uh, Clayman filed a lawsuit over the NSA's mass surveillance. Uh, that resulted in uh, U.S. federal judge Richard J. Leon ruling that bulk collection of American telephone metadata likely violates the Fourth Amendment. However, his case was eventually dismissed in 2017 by the same judge because Clayman had failed to establish that he or his client had standing. So even when Clayman is arguably arguably uh, working towards something good with his lawsuits, he's too incompetent of a lawyer to successfully follow through. But in the 90s, most of Judicial Watch's lawsuits seemed to serve the purpose of being as obnoxious as possible rather than forcing government transparency or uh, uncovering genuine corruption. Uh, Take, for example, the so-called Filegate controversy. So this concerned an incident in which the director of the White House's Office of Personal Security, Craig Livingstone, uh, improperly requested and then received from the FBI background reports concerning several hundred individuals without asking permission from those people. So uh, getting sensitive information without proper procedures was genuinely a bad thing. Livingstone apologized and resigned from his position. Uh, There was also subsequently uh, multiple investigations into who else may have been involved in requesting the files. Republican Senator Orrin Hatch even requested that the FBI do a fingerprint analysis on the files to see who had handled them. The FBI uh, subsequently found that neither Hillary nor any top White House aides handled the files. Investigations by independent counsel uh, Ken Starr and uh, Robert Ray also cleared the Clintons of wrongdoing in the Filegate matter. So uh, I think this is really funny. If the FBI dusting for prints, trying to find Hillary's uh, fingerprints all over these files. 
She's got him beat. She's too good She's at what too she good. does. She wears gloves. She wears gloves. She knows. She knows not to. She knows not to put her own fingerprints on. No, you know what? Ha- you know what she's done. You know what I heard is that she's burned off the tips yeah. of all of her right. fingers of course, of course. so that she doesn't leave behind. Yeah, she pushes crafty. her fingers into a fire every night. But for Judicial Watch and Larry Clayman, the so-called official investigations in the file gate weren't satisfactory. In 1996, Clayman filed a $90 million class action lawsuit that accused Hillary and others of harming White House employees of previous administrations by mishandling their background files. Uh, the actual lawsuit never really went anywhere and was finally dismissed in 2010. Uh, but while the Filegate lawsuit was ongoing, he was able to compel Clinton administration officials like Harold Ikes, uh, George Stephanopoulos, uh, James Carville, and Paul Bagella to sit for all-day depositions. A 1998 article published by Slate by Jacob Weisberg describes what these uh, were like and what their purpose seemed to be. In these torture sessions, Clayman rants and raves and demands to, quote, certify for the court answers that he deems evasive. Clayman asked administration officials about whom they date, where they go after work, whether they were expelled from school for disciplinary problems. One 23-year-old White House assistant was interrogated about a triple murder that took place at a Starbucks in Georgetown. Clayman videotapes these depositions, excerpts of which air on Geraldo when Clayman appears on the program, and publishes the transcripts on the internet. This is in pursuit of a case about the invasion of privacy, remember? But resistance is largely futile. Last week, the presiding judge in the case sanctioned Stephanopoulos for not looking hard enough for documents covered by a judicial watch subpoena. As punishment, Stephanopoulos has to go through the ordeal of another deposition and pay some of Clayman's legal costs. The ultimate goal of the Filegate suit appears to be to inflict this treatment on Hillary Clinton. So after years of legal wrangling that went nowhere, Judicial Watch's Filegate suit was finally dismissed. In 2010, Chief Judge Royce Landberth dismissed the suit in an opinion that's just bristling with irritation. After years of litigation, endless depositions, the fictionalized portrayal of this lawsuit and its litigants on television, the innumerable histrionics, this court is left to conclude that with this lawsuit, to quote Gertrude Stein, there's no there there. While this court seriously entertained the plaintiff's allegations that their privacy had been violated, and indeed it was, even if not in the sense contemplated by the Privacy Act, after ample opportunity, they have not produced any evidence of the far-reaching conspiracy that sought to use intimate details from FBI files for political assassinations that they alleged. So... Despite the fact that Clayman occasionally uncovered possibly shady business, the bulk of Judicial Watch's efforts in the 90s seemed to work just like that. He'd allege a conspiracy theory, attempt to uncover information that proved that conspiracy theory, and then lose the lawsuit. But he would successfully be a pain in the ass along the way, which was the point. (laughs) Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, In a 2017 interview with The Hill, Clayman alleged that it didn't matter that his lawsuits failed to make their case. The point is what you do in the process of the lawsuit. I'm testing the limits of the law. Win or lose, I want to make a point. You gather information along the way. Even if you don't like the result, you get discovery. But you might ask, how exactly did Judicial Watch and Larry Clayman finance all of these lawsuits if he kept losing. Well, fortunately for Clayman in the 90s, there were many political donors with deep pockets who were willing to finance anyone who was uh, willing to be a thorn in the side of the Clintons. Among them was billionaire Richard Mellon Scaife, who donated $7.74 million to Judicial Watch. This guy is one of the architects of, of our era, like with the Koch brothers. Yeah. Um, they basically uh, used the philanthropy system set up so that they could invest in stuff like this mm. and not pay taxes. Clever. Like have it be deductible and also harm their political enemies. So <laughs> Very well said. Clever move. Win, it's good win for them. Yeah. Also clever for Clayman. He was a way to be a, just an absolutely shitty lawyer, but yeah. make a good living doing it. Yeah, he's a better Jacob. Funded. Bull. Yeah, right. Funded. In 2003, Larry Clayman uh, hired our big beefy boy, Tom Fitton, who became the president of Judicial Watch. Uh, that same year, Clayman left the organization to pursue political office. So in 2004, uh, Clayman ran for the United States Senate from Florida. 
Its platform included pushing for the United States to withdraw from the United Nations and demanding that, quote, the immediate uh, removal of Cuba dictator in chief Fidel Castro by force if necessary, end quote. Um, so a bit hawkish, bit hawkish. Mm-hmm. Great, great uh, campaign. <laughs> yeah, I think you could win on a Democratic ticket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, despite making a name for himself as an enemy of the Clintons, he lost in the Republican Party primary, finishing seventh out of eight candidates. Mm. So just disliked by everyone, even in his own party. Earlier this month, uh, by the way, I checked on what he was doing uh, this year, Larry Clayman, and he's oh. been. it seems like he's been uh, decided to be a real piece of shit. Uh, earlier this month, it was announced that Clayman was representing George Zimmerman in a lawsuit against the family of Trayvon Martin, the unarmed black Florida teen that Zimmerman shot and killed in th- 2012. Hopefully we'll finally get some justice there then. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Clayman is also currently battling a D.C. ethics panel who has recommended that Clayman's law license be suspended. Uh, a report from the D.C. Court of Appeals Board on Professional Responsibility Ad Hoc Hearing Committee. Jesus Christ, what an incredible name. Uh, alleges that Clayman made unprofessional romantic advances towards a woman he represented. Oh, yeah. The committee's recommendations stem from uh, Clayman's representation of Elham Sataki, whom he helped file a uh, 2010 sexual harassment suit against her then-employer, Voice of America. Hey, you know how you were being harassed by these people? Well, (laughs) I'm going to help you out. (laughs) Uh, During that time, the report says Clayman persuaded Sataki to move to Los Angeles and offered to pay for her housing and living expenses, telling Sataki she could later reimburse him. Uh, Once in L.A., Sataki allegedly refused to engage in a romantic relationship with Clayman, at which point he increases demands for compensation to continue representing uh, her sexual harassment claim. So just Got poor it. woman, betrayed by everyone. Yeah. Got it. So he's fighting. He's fighting the sexual harassment. By. By. Yeah. Doing, sexually. Yeah. By <laughs> doing some sort of sexual blackmail. Yeah. But. <laughs> But here's the thing is like what when you read when you read the report, Absolute he wasn't bullshit. actually requesting a uh, a sexual relationship. He, he was he wanted the girlfriend he, experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he wanted toe picks. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He wanted yeah. He wanted her to. I mean, rub his head and uh, you know cook maybe. Yeah. So the the, the 183 page uh, report itself is mortifying because it documents instances in which Clayman, who was 59 years old at the time of the incident, behaves like a teenage boy who is mad that a girl doesn't like him. Uh, for example, in May of 2010, uh, Clayman allegedly attended some L.A. event with Sataki and then proceeded to have a public fight with her because she wasn't paying enough attention to him. Um, the report claims that Clayman then said this. Why didn't you look at me? Why are you so afraid that people are going to think that I'm your boyfriend? Why are you so scared of that? Mm, God. <laughs> Way into a woman's heart. Whine about how she's not paying attention to you. Yeah. yeah. I can tell you. I can tell you that that is a winning strategy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that's basically uh, Larry Clayman. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but he or is, as the Jews call him, Golem. <laughs> But uh, he is not uh, the current uh, uh, president of Judicial Watch. Uh, that's actually uh, the responsibility of our swole king, Tom Fitton. But I'm going to let Brendan talk a little bit more about Tom. All right, so uh, here to talk about my big beefy boy, Tom Fitton, the current president of Judicial Watch. As far as I could tell, uh, Bloomberg.com has him as the president of Judicial Watch since 1998. And before he came on my radar, he had a bit of a a fight, which is documented by Right Wing Watch uh, with Larry Clayman. And it featured, uh, after Clayman you know, left to do his Senate campaign in Florida. It says that he alleged that before departing as chairman, he had discovered that uh, Tom Fitton had never earned a college degree. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, but yeah. also, who care? And Fitton, he alleged all these sort of uh, odd claims about Fitton, like. Uh, he had, I'm just quoting from this Redwing Watch article. He had supposedly threatened media organizations with legal action to keep Clayman off the air, fired employees loyal to Clayman, 
and damaged his reputation with former clients. Mm-hmm. Um, the complaint also contended that Judicial Watch had lied in its tax forms by claiming that claimant owed it money. All the while, uh, the organization's uh, war chest under fitness management shrunk to between $8 million and $9 million, down from about $20 million when Clayman left. Now, Judicial Watch shot back with a counterclaim accusing Clayman of failing to cover the debts he had accumulated as chairman and of violating the terms of his severance agreement. As part of his negotiated goodbye package, uh, Judicial Watch had paid Clayman a total of $600,000, including $200,000 in return for signing a non-compete clause. Mm, good billionaire money. Wow. That's pretty good money. Um, this is just according yeah. to the counterclaim. Uh, yeah, especially for a hack like Clayman. <laughs> by, uh, by founding Freedom Watch, uh, the article says, Clayman had violated that part of the contract, the counterclaim stated. I just, I got to say, like, it, if this is true, I, I don't really... I don't follow the rest of this thing. It's just an interesting aside for them with their little battle. Um, but what an incredible power move to get almost a million dollars leaving an organization you found called Judicial Watch and then just decide to violate, allegedly, your non-compete by starting Freedom Watch. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, based on the Aaron Sorkin <laughs> yeah, the fictionalized, fictionalized version of, of yourself Watch. <laughs> that was used yeah, in a television show to make fun of you. Uh, you have, he basically uh, was like, I'm going to be a politician. Fails horribly. Uh, take backsies on that company. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They always eat their own. Conspiratorial people always eat their own. They can't get along because they're all so paranoid. Yeah, that's true. So that's just sort of your, your background on the, the Tom versus Clayman feud. Um, Tom is incredibly uh, having a good one recently. Uh, Trump loves him. Uh, apparently, according to this Politico article I found, which is from 2018, August 2018, Trump and Tom had bumped into each other at CPAC uh, recently. And Fitton is smart enough to go on the president's favorite Fox business show, which is Lou Dobbs Tonight. And what Fitton does is say uh, just a, a complete, like, 100% I'm here for Trump defense of anything that is happening. When the Mueller report was going on, he waged war on Mueller and he, he said it's fair to ask whether Rod Rosenstein should be fired or in the least have to recuse himself. Uh, he attacked Michael Cohen's testimony is not credible. Um, he actually said, this is funny from like a so-called you know transparency guy, uh, the attorney general should be directing Mr. Mueller, I don't want you writing a dossier on President Trump. There shouldn't be a document created is my point. There ought to be an intervention to prevent this abuse. So he actually didn't want even like a Mueller report to have anything to like come out for people to see in public. And he, he started using more and more uh, aggressive language uh, saying that you know Democrats want to overthrow Trump with, and so does Mueller's team. And then he started uh, calling on Trump to, quote, just pardon everybody, you know, just have a field day, end quote, uh, <laughs> as it relates to people caught in the, the Mueller investigation. That fucking rules. <laughs> hey, hey, you thought of having a field day, Mr. President? It, so that was in... Uh, Putting on a big birthday hat? That was in April 16th, uh, uh, 2018. And this, is, this is the best part of the quote. It says, pardon them all, uh, dot, dot, dot. Maybe some people who get away with crimes they otherwise should should not have gotten away with but you know i don't trust this justice department to investigate this fairly there we go <laughs> i like the government until it stops doing what i want yeah. it to yeah exactly they're they're right until they're wrong yeah it, it really it, it's it's a great summation of uh i say like the, the best summation of fitness political philosophy came from this tweet in uh 2018 that i remembered when i was digging up research for this and he was wearing a shirt that I think it's a Judicial Watch brand one where on the back it just says, because no one is above the law with an exclamation mark. And literally <laughs> a month prior, he had said, just pardon everybody, you know, just have a field day. Yeah. Yeah. This, these folks aren't yeah. the most self-aware. Uh, but how'd that shirt look on him? Oh, <laughs> oh While we're on it. I mean, were there, were there well, armholes yeah. or? or... <laughs> he could he could play Judge Dredd, I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. He could play I, I would love to see him in a Dredd remake. Um, probably my. I, really, I would too. My favorite bit, which I'm sure, I'm sure you guys are also fans of, is Tom's social media presence, which is be mm. it on the Judicial Watch uh, official Twitter account or uh, on his Reddit. Uh, Tom Fitton is literally just his username, I think. Or Tom Fitton JW, I'm not sure, but yeah. 
He's he always jumps into the Donald and posts shit like update guys I'm doing this and then every everybody jumps into the comments and they're like oh our swole god boy <laughs> like they love him so much they definitely do he uh it's his Instagram is probably the the peak I love it oh, it's rules. it's so dude, good dude Tom Tom is charging a hundred bucks just to get the filters uh that he uses because they are. There's no, there's no other filter that can turn you into a Borderlands 3 character. Uh, <laughs> he looks like Brick. In exactly that fashion. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what his stories are like. He, um, My favorite thing that he's done is, there's actually two things he's done on Instagram. And one is uh, when he was posting sort of serious posts promoting, you know, whatever it is Judicial Watch was doing that day. He would throw in a, a sort of clever reference to how huge he is. Where he would say like, like <laughs> big lifting of government documents. We have Peter Strzok text. Oh, or something. oh <laughs> my god, this is such an Instagram thing, by the way. Where, yeah. where like I, I see, I see girls do it all the time. Where they they'll post something like, like, uh, can't believe like my my garbage disposal overflowed. But the, then it's like a modeling pic of like them in a bikini that has like literally yeah. nothing to do with the. But they don't want to just be like. They don't want to be like, look at how good I yeah. look. So, so Jake, instead, Jake has just discovered the thirst trap. Th thank you for <laughs> joining us on the internet. Wait, and there's a there's, that, Tom that's Fitton is a hundred percent a thirst trap. He's the right wing conspiracy theory thirst trap that we deserve. Tom's uh, most powerful thirst trap uh, happened, I want to say, a couple months ago, where I think he went to the beach for vacation, but he celebrated this <laughs> by posting a photo someone took of him of him like kind of you know a couple feet into the water and he's wearing um just swim trunks but he has his his arms on his hips and it's just like flared out uh back looking thick solid tight keeping us updated with progress pics and videos um and <laughs> what's cool is that he not only posted it and it's like okay you know tom's having a good time that's great good for him he posted it multiple times with different filters like he couldn't decide <laughs> which was the best and there's like there's yeah. nothing changed in the photo there's no like zooming in no, there no, is just yeah it's got to get it right he just wants to see you know like it's you know a b testing like he's just trying to figure out exactly yeah, which ones, yeah. yeah the post lab you know he just yeah. wants to he's yeah a, he's in the post lab <laughs> yeah, he's in the post lab you know <laughs> trying to figure out what's the dopest post well, what gets the most engagement you know he's figuring it out yeah he's, he's just he's, on the beach with his with his macbook air just, <laughs> he's, just he's trying to get wi-fi from underneath an umbrella and points the camera towards him in the water. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dude, his brand, I'm looking at his Instagram right now and his branding is absolute garbage. It's, uh, you know, there's not really a consistent color wave. He doesn't really have sort of branded stories at the top. Every picture is kind of the same distance away from him that just shows like the top trunk of himself. Like, <laughs> you'd like from, from his Instagram, you would not know, and I'm not exaggerating, that Tom Fitton has a pair of working legs. <laughs> I just got Travis to spit his coffee out. Oh man, that felt good. All right, sorry, Brendan, back to you, bud. So Tom caught my eye because of his social media posting and his just Lou Dobbs warpath uh, that he's waged, and it's only it's only really gotten. Uh, he's he's hundred percent just like committed to the bit with Trump. He's absolutely he's ready to go. I'll just read you a couple of quotes recently, and then I'd like to talk about where I think Tom first became Tom Fitton. So just quick nice. quotes. The worst part of the impeachment inquiry is the protection of this alleged whistleblower, end quote. Every Republican senator, they need to get together and frankly, a few honest Democrats to shut down this coup and say we're not going to take on an impeachment inquiry. Uh, Trump should call back the Ukrainians and make sure that they're doing an investigation and uh, just straight up praising uh, Trump are relying on Rudy Giuliani instead of people like Lieutenant Colonel uh, Alexander Vindman and Fiona Hill. So he is. He also called for Roger Stone's pardon. I mean, he's he's just out there. He's committed to the bit. He likes justice. Yeah, he wants ju he wants justice for <laughs> justice criminals. Justice for all. <laughs> justice for criminals. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's literally no one is above the law unless the president's friends are above like above the law. In which case, you should just we should just <laughs> yeah. sort of you know everybody gets one. So I think Tom really became like you could sort of see like this is what he'd be doing for the rest of his life in this thing that was on uh, something I didn't even know about until recently, which is called the National Empowerment Television Network. Uh, National Empowerment Television was founded in 1993 by Paul Weyrich. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it was it was a little bit before Fox News. And Tom starred on a show called Young Bloods. 
And I found I'm I'm begging the listeners of this show, please find me audio, video, anything of this show, because I have scoured the internet for it. I got nothing. But I did find two reviews, one from the Washington Post in 1994 and one from the Baltimore Sun in 1995. The 1994 Washington Post one, which is titled Babes in the Pundits Chairs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> it talks about young bloods, which it says uh, Tom Fitton, 26, uh, the resident flamethrower, during a discussion about politics and religion, said, Liberals steal from the rich because it's morally correct to give it to the poor. When his co-panelist, Andrew Beeb, I think it's pronounced, uh, said, that has nothing to do with God. Fitton simply responded, does so. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, that's just high quality banter. Just rhetoric you oh, cannot man. get anywhere else. And Incredible. He, uh, he's described in this 1994 review, which again, please God, get me video of this. Um, as a star whose charming sneer and venomous rhetoric keep the show from falling into the dreaded policy drone. Again, exactly what he does on Ludab's tonight, like today in 2019. And the review describes him thusly, which I think is probably the best description of his attempt to just radiate that Chad bird brain energy, uh, which is, quote, he rears back, cocks his chin in a Buckley-esque pose of superiority and rips into liberals in their new age attitude. Quote, to say that worshiping trees, rocks, and spirit guides is a product of sophisticated questioning, dot, 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 is the product of unclear thinking and anti-Christian bias, end quote. His jaw juts forward, which is just, <laughs> if you could find something in that, like, juts. we're working without context here, no video, but like powerful. I have, I have no idea what that means at all. No. Um, I just found a meme on his Instagram that just has him looking at documents and it says, Tom Fitton doesn't read books. He stares them down until he gets the information he needs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, so, which just means he looks at the books, the outside of them, yeah, yeah, and then you have to outside. believe that he's taking it all yeah, in. Yeah, he looks at the outside for seven minutes, and then... Yeah, he telepathically absorbs the information. It doesn't necessarily have to be inside yeah. the book. It's not, just not what mention, ends up in his head after staring at it. In the actual meme, he's looking at papers, not a book. <laughs> and also, uh, his comment here is, fun meme from a follower over on Twitter. I wonder if he like makes his girlfriend or wife like take all of his photos for him. He's like, babe, babe, uh, could you um, could you just get like a shot of me like looking at these um, look at these sheets of paper? <laughs> She's like, ah, again. Right. <laughs> he actually he really loves memes about him, and recently was uh, retweeting a bunch on Twitter. And my favorite one uh, is like, I don't know if this was like a, a QAnon MAGA mom or you know some weird like alt writer. Don't know, but one of them was just a Pepe unzipping its head and Tom's extremely angry face peering out from the inside <laughs> like it was taking off a Halloween costume. And that one I actually saved. I kind of like that one. It's pretty the frog and the prince, man. Yeah. It's a classic like, tale as old as time. I mean, that's, <laughs> that sounds like the Donald kind of material. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. These guys are so stoked because like their entire life and entire careers in existence, they've been made fun of, told that they're dumb. Yeah. Uh, you know, a judge fucking put them down and was like, "You're a shitty lawyer. You can't." And now, because because of the the MAGA movement, they're heroes. Right. And so, yeah. of course, like that's the most dangerous. That's the most. In, in some ways, that's the most dangerous thing is you have all these people who are essentially like societies like rejects that are now that are now hoisted up onto right. pedestals yeah and and to top it all off have the fucking confidence to continue to be like totally uh encourageable pieces of shit because yeah. there's a huge group of people that's fucking every day being like oh boy yeah go get them Tom Fitton is in the Guinness Book of Records for manually installing the impact font more than anybody else in the history of mankind. When you see Tom Fitton walking around, there's actually just a hovering bit of text below his face, just as bottom text, and nobody knows why it's there. It's just always there. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that he's just like a hovering drunk with no legs. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just it's got like something two rocket jets coming out of the bottom of his fucking torso. Absolutely. It's um, it, he's just he's so powerful. Um, <laughs> like so, so like other quotes from this show. Which please, like please, I'm begging you, please God, help me find this thing. Um, 
It says, uh, Craig Bowman, the openly homosexual liberal panelist, quote, Pat Robertson is an evil man to me as a gay man. He wants to exterminate my people, end quote. The conservatives in unison, that's not true. Bowman, I'm a Christian too. And then Fitton just responded, Craig, the majority of people have moral problems with your behavior as a homosexual, which is wild that he could just say that on TV. Yeah. And it's also wild that he's yeah. still around after saying that. From what I can gather of this show, he was just rude. Like, like in the other review, they call him a, a bomb thrower who said abolishing the EPA would be the best thing for the environment. I have a feeling if we didn't ha have the EPA, we would find a way to take care of ourselves. But yeah, uh, yeah. It's just uh, powerful. Big brain shit. <laughs> that is definitely some Richard Melonscape uh, ghost written. It's like, it's like well, what would you say to, you know, to debate Tom when his responses are either just no or uh, actually, no, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Do you have any questions about uh, Tom specifically that you would like me to answer? Like, yeah, what's his arm routine like? Yeah, do you know like what he <laughs> like what he benches? I have tweeted at him. I've asked for his uh, lifting routine. No response. He has God retweeted damn. one of the videos I posted where he was on Lou Dobbs, and I quoted him saying something uh, stupid or awful. Uh, I don't know why he retweeted me. I legitimately don't understand. Because he's proud. Because in this beautiful world we live in, <laughs> yeah, the, can, the thing yeah. you think is damning is actually something to be celebrated on his side. Well, and mm. also, yeah, when you lose, you actually win. win. Exactly. And when somebody is making fun of you, it's actually... You're they're being just, celebrated. Yeah, they're being celebrated and praised and... Yeah. Um, you know, because you're, right. you're 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 a part of a major you know media organization. You know that's good press for Tom. Always winning, you know, yeah. never losing. And when they call you so like a snooty sort of Latinate insult, like deplorable, <laughs> you call yourself that. It's called judo, guys. <laughs> Have you heard of the martial art? So Chris Farrell is a Judicial Watch employee. I'm pretty sure he's still with them, um, but he got banned from uh, Fox News and Fox Business altogether because he falsely accused George Soros of masterminding a caravan of migrants headed toward the U.S. border from Central America. Um, mm. yeah. Sounds like something Soros might do. Yeah. So what was, this is from our article, uh, Lou Dobbs tonight in Fox's standards for anti-Semitic and bigoted commentary, uh, written by Matt Gertz, who's great. But what happened was, Thursday's episode of Lou Dobbs Tonight was rebroadcast on Saturday night, hours after a gunman murdered 11 people at a Pittsburgh synagogue. In that context, Farrell's description of the caravan as funded by the, quote, Soros-occupied State Department, end quote, caught the eye of Josh Marshall, editor and publisher of TPM, whose tweets generated a firestorm on Twitter when he noticed its similarities to the, quote, Zionist-occupied government rhetoric, common to neo-Nazi literature. Hell yeah. Yeah. And I guess that guy is just still at Judicial Watch. I think he's been mentioned by Dobbs after the ban, um, yeah. which is I can't believe they let him just get away with that. But yeah. well, yeah. dude, we've we've got Jesse, we've got Jesse Waters on Fox News being like, now, but isn't QAnon kind of interesting? Like, it, yeah. none of it matters anymore. No, it's they just, don't care. Yeah, say say a, a fucking anti-Semitic thing, keep your job, and gain more followers. <laughs> Do great. better, actually. Good recipe. You get more money, more praise. It's it's just yeah. it's so nuts that like the in, like in conservative media they just fail upwards. There's not really a, a way in which I've seen them a, any conservative be held accountable in the long term, barring like Bill O'Reilly getting pushed out and you know just being forced to go on a website and uh, right. blog and post. But a even sad then, that was after he cost Fox News tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> Yeah. And he still, by the way, he still complains about that as if it was unfair. And like Sean Hannity even recently like asked for him to come back as though Hannity has the power to hire one of the most reviled and, and just disgusting former Fox News hosts. Absolutely disgraced. They are going to be fine. Yeah, right. They're going to get bigger and it's going to be better. And our life <laughs> yeah. is going to get better. I <laughs> see. What? I like your thinking now. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> there just, we go. just, just take the black pill. I've decided just to be an optimist about <laughs> right. it all. You know, I, think, I think, you know how, the, you know, like you always have boomers telling you that technology is going to fix the environment uh, someday uh -huh. just because that's how human evolution is going to work. True. Well, that's how I feel about this politics. They're all heading towards something good. You know? <laughs> in fact, in fact, did labor lose or did they win in I think, a way? I think it was a landslide win for them. Right. Do they have a minority or 
actually a secret majority. Secret majority. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do like real lefty Hmm. QAnon. Like I'm gonna pretend that we now have like Dem socialists at the heads of all major governments. Yeah, you're right. And I'm just gonna take it from there. Well, I'm gonna do. I would just pretend that everyone's sort of like uh, uh, rational. Everyone, I could pretend that the discourse is healthy. Obama took office on his second day. He prosecuted the Bush administration person by person for all of their war crimes. They're now all in jail or wearing ankle monitors. Yeah, well, and while monitor. we're playing this game, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and pretend that I've been wrong about everything yes. that I've said for the last three yeah. years um, that garnished ridicule uh, f- from all of my friends. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us and, and casting a light on t- two of the biggest guns I've ever seen. Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, I want to baby oil this man right up. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel kind of bummed out that he hasn't posted any proper uh, like nudes. Because I think he would look good. I, I would pay for a ca- um, I would pay for a calendar of just Tom Fitton in different uh, justice pro justice poses. Look, Julian, we've discussed we've discussed this. He does not do below the right below the That's waist. Fine. I'll uh, take upper body. I do have one request of you guys, which is, uh, could you figure out like what are the QAnon uh, MAGA parents think of Tom? Like, is he venerated? Is he just seen as a source of information? Yeah, I mean they 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 like his you know his uh, his his angle on things like they like a lot of like in the same sense that they they like Hannity, but he's not really a central figure. I mean the the sort of the the people that they that QAnon people really like are like Sarah Carter, mm-hmm. uh, and, Solomon, yeah, John Solomon. So I mean yeah, they, they like like Fitton, but they like him okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's okay. So people can follow you at bad underscore takes on Twitter. Yeah. Very misleading. Yeah. <laughs> he does good tweets. <laughs> Thanks, man. You have been listening to the QAnon Anonymous podcast. If you like the show, you can support us and get a second weekly episode for just five bucks a month. Uh, this will also get you access to our entire archive of premium episodes. Uh, we do not run any advertising on the show, and we would like to keep it that way. So if you if you wouldn't mind, uh, head over to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe. Thank you. We also have our first live show in L.A. on Saturday, February 8th, and you can get tickets for that at tickets.qanonanonymous.com. Uh, join us to chat and hang out with listeners at discord.qanonanonymous.com. And you can get T-shirts, mugs, and other merch stuff at merch.qanonanonymous.com. All pretty self-explanatory URLs. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy. It's fact. And now, today's auto cue. This week on Q&A. We continue our look at government watchdog groups. This week features Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton. Tom Fitton, can you remember when you first got interested in corruption? Well, it was during the Clinton administration. I thought the Clinton administration was terribly corrupt. I was running my own website at the time, my, my blogging before blogging was cool. It was called Opinion Inc. And, uh, and I thought it was just extraordinary that you had credible allegations that the Clinton administration was doing illegal fundraising in the White House, raising money illegally from abroad, uh, the target of a, a Chinese, communist Chinese operation to influence our elections, and, and there really, uh, really being no accountability about that. And I thought it was important uh, uh, to highlight that. And, uh, you know, I ran into Judicial Watch, which I thought was, uh, you know, back in the late 90s, uh, was lo- alone and not only saying uh, the right things, but also doing the right things in terms of being hard-charging and aggressive.